Hello and welcome to the Taste Uber Music Podcast. I'm Diana Lynn. After a 40-year career in corporate America, I took a huge U-turn and became a volunteer DJ on 90.1 FM KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. Since 2010, I've been the host, programmer, and engineer of a weekly Americana Roots music show, The Tasty Brew. With this podcast, I'll be sharing conversations with artists and music industry insiders with the goal of entertaining and educating the listening audience, all while giving a voice to the music makers that are underserved or ignored by mainstream media. Tim Easton, American songwriter and fellow Buckeye, has learned the ways of the hardcore troubadour, making his way around Europe and America by busking in the streets and playing the clubs. Although Rolling Stone magazine praised him as having a novelist sense of humanity, I believe his education as a poetry major at Ohio State University is the not-so-secret ingredient to his lyrical life. When I saw he was on the roster for the 2019 edition of the Woody Guthrie Festival in Okima, Oklahoma, I knew I had to try and have a sit-down conversation with him. Although my familiarity with his work was on the fringe, I wanted to dig deeper. As soon as I hit the registration desk at the Ofusky County Historical Society in Okima, coincidentally the recording site of a portion of Tim's latest CD exposition, I asked the volunteer staff for help in contacting Tim. Within two hours, I had a text. We met shortly thereafter in front of the Crystal Theater, but where to record a conversation? There was no media room and no readily available space to sit down and chat. A Woody Fest volunteer again to the rescue. I live at the Rock House down at the corner of Woody Guthrie Boulevard and Broadway. The back door is open, the air conditioning is on, there's nothing but two chairs and a table in there, but you're welcome to it. Tim was game and so was I. We had the following conversation in a virtually empty house sitting in two velveteen rockers facing each other, with my lavalier mic attached to my water bottle handle. As you'll hear, Tim talks about growing up in Japan, opening for the Flatlanders in Towns Van Zant, busking the streets of Europe, heading his own record company, traveling Alaska to teach songwriting workshops so he can fish, and an upcoming State Department-sponsored trip to Russia. Woody Guthrie would have loved Tim Easton. Now that's Americana. We're both Buckeyes. O-H. I-O. <laughs> I'll say that to people in the airport with the shirt on, and every now and then they're like, Oh, you know, they'll like walk 10 feet. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. I uh, had a fifth grade teacher that was an OSU grad, and she required at the beginning of the year in the fifth grade that we all learn the Ohio State fight song. Ooh. And we had to sing it every Friday morning before class started. And that's a long time ago, but I can tell you that I know <laughs> still to this day all of the words to the Ohio State fight song. Uh, yeah, that's a little blurry to me. I remember the Ohio State party song. Mm. I think I wrote a few versions of it did you? myself. Did but, you yeah. I did go. I went to Ohio State. Did I was you? A, I was a poetry major. I studied English under David Satino and Gordon Grigsby, two poets there. Uh, and uh, yep, I was the doorman at Bernie's Bagels, the distillery wow. across the street, and uh, went to Larry's. That bar was still, uh, you know, it was kind of like that was the art, like the philosophy students. Yeah. I uh, left Columbus before I was even in high school, but I still have oh. family there, and I still own property back there on a lake that's northwest of Columbus. Yeah, it is like, I was just there a week ago, and it is so different. Of yeah. course, like every town in America, but like you think of all those Buckeyes that have graduated from school there and just kept and stayed and formed businesses and 
boom. It's just a boom town, of, you know. It, you know, a lot of university towns are. Yeah. You know, have come that way. Yeah. Um, but I, I will always have a soft spot in my heart for Ohio. I my dad was the first generation to leave. We'd been there for over two hundred years. Oh, um, wow! First settled the territory as payment for service in the Revolutionary War. Nice. And my dad was the first to drag the family out of there. So wow. I'll, I'll always have you know an, an affinity for it. So. Gra- did you graduate? Well, I, I grew up, yeah, I did graduate from Ohio State, actually. I grew up in Akron, Ohio, is where I went to high school, but I was born in upstate New York, right on the border uh, of Canada. My mom's Canadian. Mm. And so right on the Niagara River there, I was born on that river in, in, a, in a hospital that's right, you can see Canada from the from there. And, and um, my dad worked for Goodyear. That's why mm. they transferred us to Akron. And then they also transferred my whole family, or those of us, I'm the youngest of seven, so five brothers, two sisters. I'm sorry, four brothers, two sisters, and the youngest. So they transferred a good part of my family to Japan as well. Wow. So I lived in Japan and Ohio a lot growing up. I, I see that uh, you went to Europe and busked for a while. I do, yeah. Was that on purpose? Was that by design? Well, I mean... That seems like such a hard way to go. combination of the things. Like, I'll, uh, as, soon as, we, as soon as Woody Fest is over, I'm flying back to Europe. Um, I do a lot of work there. Uh, this year is going to be another like two European trips and uh, three trips to Alaska, and I'm also going to Russia this year, so we can get into some wow. serious travel talk. But yeah, I'm travel gypsy by nature. I think from my parents leaving Ohio and going to Japan as a kid. And, um, but so you're not you, afraid of it. It's no, I I it's like I wanted to be a songwriter. You know, I, I had some poetry chops as a kid, and then my brothers played guitar. They taught me about Doc Watson. Not just what was on the radio. They taught me, you know, about Doc Watson and John Prine, and 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 that is what led me to, you know, going back in time to to folks like Woody Guthrie and Lead Belly and and uh, Sonny and Brownie and stuff. And I went over to Europe because I was like, well, I can go over there, and I want to be a songwriter. But yet I don't really have anything to write about. You know, I studied poetry and I studied language and rhythm and meter, but I didn't have any life experiences really worth a damn. I thought. Um, uh, and I was I wasn't keen on imp, on, uh, on eavesdropping on others just yet. So I went over to Europe and I was a street musician on and off for about seven years. Did you hitchhike around? I sure Europe? did. I hitchhiked. It's just a lot easier to get around. They have better mass transit than we do. Here. Yeah, in Ireland I actually hitched, and it was an accepted form of transportation. And I have zillions of beautiful hitchhiking stories in Ireland. Uh, but the rest of Europe, yeah, jumping on a train was easy, you know. But, you know, you find a good spot and you hang out and you work there. Mm-hmm. You, you get a good spot and you stay for a while. And those spots would be based upon, you know, some of the architecture and, you know, old old European cities were built before cars, you know. So right. they had good pedestrian walkways and acoustically great outdoor spots. And like, so I'd get to Barcelona and hang out for a month, you know, and, and just... Are you bilingual? Do you speak? I speak Spanish, yeah. Do you? Yeah. We're so spoiled in this country where most people are not bilingual. And so I think that keeps a lot of us from traveling or feeling comfortable about traveling overseas because, you know, I mean, for one, I don't, I speak a little French, but um, it it worries me to travel um, overseas. I haven't. I haven't really done it. I've right, Canada and the Caribbean, but I've never been to. Europe, I lived so. in France for a year, but I had an Irish girlfriend, so I didn't really learn French. That's my main excuse today that <laughs> why I didn't learn French. Yeah, have you ever been to Lawrence, Kansas? I have. Yeah, where William Burroughs. Yeah, um, they have a busker fest. 
Oh, right, right. And uh, they, uh, you busking all over Europe made me think about it. There have always been buskers since I can remember in Lawrence, Kansas. It's very, it's a college town, of course. It's yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I believe this year was the first time they had an all-female busker fest. Oh, cool. And yeah. it, it went over really well. Did you find that, that women were busking in Europe? or is it Well, busking? you know, interestingly enough, uh, some of my, my busking partners, and not like romantic mm-hmm. gypsy partners, but like actual street music buddies, uh, Cecilia Varvner from Sweden, who still works the streets today. She's like a street statue. Um, I think in Sweden now, but but she was a flute player I met in the underground in London one day when I came back from Spain and her and I united forces and would like get on the train on the green line in London and go and play the the train line to the airport and back full of travelers and we would get on there and we'd play Woody Guthrie's This Train is Bound for Glory, Doc Watson's Southbound and one other, you know, Americana Mm -hmm. kind of classic Thing so that's the way it was working. I was using my country's music to, you know, I was it was authentic because I was American. Well, they they seem to love it. I mean, I have a lot of songwriting friends from Kansas City that are going over to Europe quite often, mostly um, the Netherlands and yeah. Oddly, Norway. A lot of them are. Oh, Norway's great. I'll be. I'll be in the Netherlands next week. They love uh, American music and they support it and can make money. Yeah, there's a whole there's a whole uh, career for us over there. Uh, Norwegians too. They're really uh, a lot like Alaskans. They're just wonderful people. They're they're really into buying vinyl, um, which is not an Alaskan thing necessarily. But the thing about Alaskans and Norwegians that are similar is that like there's this. Financial, there's a, there's been a financial kind of a, an economic boom, and it's kind of a wealthy place, but they don't act like it, you know. But yet they have. It's expensive to live in Norway. It's expensive to live in Alaska, and there's like all these kind of characters that hanging out at the bar that look like you know rough and tumble characters from some uh, you know uh, Jack London novel, but they're really like you know scientists or something. And so it's it's a fascinating place, Norway. Love going there, and uh, we'll be there uh, going fishing there and uh, playing music there next year. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so is the Ohio thing, we meet Ohioans all over the world. That's the mm-hmm. thing. Like, you don't meet Kentuckians all over the world as much. They kind of stick to Kentucky. So when you meet one, you notice. But Ohioans, we are just oh, every, we're everywhere. We're just everywhere. We're yeah. everywhere. Um, gosh, I had a th- Oh, we're at the Woody Guthrie Festival. Yes. Um, how did you come to know Woody's music. I came to it as a child in grade school in Ohio in Columbus. We had a choir at the Robert Louis Stevenson Elementary Uh School, and the uh very first song that we learned was This Land is Your Land. And of course, Woody would have still been alive at that point. I mean, we're talking about 1957, 1958. And so that's the very first song that I learned to sing was This Land is Your Land. And I didn't know till decades later, of course, that it was a Woody Guthrie song and and how important it was in the American, you know, lexicon of music. How did did you get here? How did you end up in Okima today? Well, um, I have a pretty, uh, you know, thick story about this place now because... Uh, over the last couple of years, I've really started to bond with uh, with friends here in Oklahoma and Okima um, and the Guthrie family. But I first heard Woody Guthrie pretty much the same way everybody else did. And you sing that song mm-hmm. in grade school. Um, and then later, Bob Dylan was talking about him. So that's when I backed up. You know, I knew who Arlo Guthrie was because of that tune uh, coming into Los Angeles mm-hmm. and a couple of, you know, so... Um, 
you know, the, the, the thing about it, it, it just kind of, I read uh, Bound for Glory early on, you mm -hmm. know, because Bob Dylan basically said he, you know, I was just doing the things, I was doing what my brothers kind of taught me to, and my sisters taught me to do, and that's just kind of look backwards to the artists that you admire and, and look and find out what they love and mm -hmm. what they respect and what they learn from. And that's something that I tell young songwriters all the time. It's like, well, you like Neil Young? Well, find out what Neil Young loved, you know, go listen to Hank Williams, you know. And, we went to the Woody Guthrie Center again before we came down this time, right. and one of the quotes that really stuck with me this time on the wall, uh, Woody says, I'm not an entertainer, I'm an educator. Yeah. And I go into schools all the time. Yeah. Yeah, all over Alaska and all over Europe, too. I mean, I have a lot of friends that are school teachers. I'm looking as a fan and not a musician. When I'm looking at a performance now, I'm kind of putting them in column A or column B. Yeah. Are they in educator or are they entertainer or you know of course they can be both of course but um yeah i teach a songwriting workshop in alaska every every year now it's this next year will be the third year and i love it you know i'm basically doing the woody guthrie thing with them i tell them you know do what woody guthrie did take a song and just rewrite the text for it you can use the chord structure and you know woody didn't even change the melody a lot of times the mm -hmm. same tune mm -hmm. but you know i show them how to change the melody or how to change the rhythm but you can use the same chords and Learn, some, get something from the newspaper, and write your own song. It's it's the folk process, or the Woody Guthrie process. Um, but yeah, now I uh, I'm I've come back so much that I'm familiar with the, the Guthrie family, and um, quite a few of them. And I played music with them, and traveled with some of them in Alaska. And I sang Happy Birthday to Arlo here a couple of years ago when it was his birthday. I got up and I, I think his birthday is today or yesterday. It's yesterday. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He was, what, he was sitting in front of his hotel room. We all stay in the same travel lodge here, you know, on the, on the highway, on Highway 40 there, cutting through town. And uh, same same road that cuts through Nashville. And, uh, you know, I just went down and sang him happy birthday. I do I like to do it in, a, like, a Chuck Berry style. <laughs> happy birthday to you. And uh, so, and then a bunch of musicians joined me. And, and um, so that family is, uh, and then I came here this, you know, I came here this last December to make my album. So I've recorded my new my new record and that's you did out in the, in, the, in the historical center where they sell the merch for Woody Fest. In yeah. that room. So how was it? Well, I treated it a little bit. Setup? I treated it. Uh, I put some uh, baffles up and I put one mic up and I got in there and and I used a little bit of the reverb, the natural reverb in that room and um, recorded. And this is the record that just came out. Just came out. June. It's called Exposition. Yeah, yeah, I'm really looking forward to giving a good proper listen. Yeah, it's a folk yeah. album. Yeah. It's a very simple folk album. And um, I, an artist, uh, Chris Zoller from uh, Oklahoma City, he came and shot the uh, cover shot and a couple of the, in the, in the photographs for it. And then he did the artwork for it too. So this new album has got a huge Oklahoma tie-in and uh and I have a lot of friends here now, and and, um, and try to get here at least once a year. It's become my favorite. I mean, I've been going to festivals literally for 50 years, mm. and I'm just of an age now where I cannot really tolerate or go to the big ones. I physically cannot yeah, there's do it. so and many it, great small ones. Here. Yeah, and so I started coming here um, four years ago, and I'm going to go to Red River for the first time next month. Um, I've you know, grew up in the, on the Beatles and the Stones and, and rock music and did about 15 years worth of blues 
submersion for a while, but I've come to this so-called Americana or whatever about 25 years ago, 20, 25 mm -hmm. years ago, uh, when I got really into the Texas singer-songwriter stuff and got introduced right. to the Flatlanders and, and Guy Clark and, and Joey, Joe Ely individually and, and so many of those great singer-songwriters. And so for me now at this stage in my life, um, it's all about the stories, but I'm also in Kansas City really loving to go to house concerts and put on house yeah, concerts cool and, and promoting or helping the young songwriters that are just getting started or, or trying to find a voice and being on community radio I can do that nobody's telling me what to do I can play whatever I want I can have fantastic whoever and I want and um, we've got some incredible talent in Kansas City right now and I've lived there my whole adult life since I was 21 years old and and I've never seen the music scene like it is there now there's so many venues to play there's so many house concerts there's so uh, many open mics where you can get your chops you know and try the stuff out yeah. and it's a very welcoming and nurturing environment so folk alliance is based there now. It, yeah yeah and um uh, i've become real good friends with all those staff the marketing director lives across the street from me and um, Danny and I are actually going to be driving the uh, Folk Alliance truck down to New Orleans with all their I'll be there. stuff. Uh, so, yeah, it's been a huge boon to the to the roots music scene in Kansas City to have yeah. uh, Folk Alliance there. It's cool I to see Calvin every year. There, yeah, uh, and I actually did catch your set at Folk Alliance. I think that you did, was it two years ago you had a showcase? Maybe, yeah, in Kansas City? Yeah, 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 yes. yeah. I, did I did catch that showcase, but I... Um, I'm really I'm looking forward to really delving into your your catalog and your work a lot a lot more deeply. I I'm shame on me for not knowing it before. <laughs> well, you know, now. it's music is like there's so much of it, and there is when so you much when you find it. what you like, you you go into it. Like the Flatlanders is a great example. Like they that opened up a whole new world for me too. I was like, tell me tell me about traveling with those guys. Yeah, I got to go on tour with them because we, we I was on a label called New West, and they mm -hmm. were when they put out their second mm -hmm. album like what 25 years after oh, their first or something yeah. 35 I don't know. um so yeah i was on i was out with them for a month you know i got to know them very well i got to know butch's sense of humor and his very and uh i got to know jimmy dale gilmore and joey you know i just got to know those guys uh in they are way. such just, sweet yeah. souls yeah and I played a gig with Towns Van Zant already, so I, I had bought. Uh, I was down at my one of my first South by Southwest. I went into Lubbock or Leave It, which was mm -hmm. Butch Hancock's store, which is like an art. Like he had a little shop in Austin called Lubbock or Leave It, and he had he had a bunch. He had a big stack of those Towns Van Zant books, for the sake of the song, or I forget what it's called. For the sake of the song. Yeah, it's a, it was like a homemade book, which I've kind of copied. I've got a homemade book of my lyrics. It's just like a folksy looking book and there was a stack of them there I would have bought more had I you know had the fourth top of course I was just a young traveling musician I bought one off Butch he was behind the counter uh, I barely knew him you know at that time this is long before I put my first record out and uh, I said hey how do I get I want to play with those guys up there he's like you got to be a professional you know you got to be good you know, you got to do it. You remember him telling me that. And then uh, it's funny because I, I played with his son, Rory, who we, we just saw a minute ago. Um, but uh, so I got the Towns Van Zandt book. And then like a year later, I'm opening up for Towns Van Zandt. And you don't I, really look old enough to. Well, be. yeah, but I, yeah, yeah. But I hear that. Young I spirit. Hear, yeah. I hear that. Um, you know, I was, I was just starting to put albums out or maybe, I maybe had one, if that. Mm -hmm. Um and 
you know, had a skiffle band going and washboard player. And I got the, the Towns opening slot. And I opened for Towns about a year before he died. And he, he sat in the front row when I played my set and I did not recognize him you know mm-hmm. I thought mm-hmm. I was looking from the guy from you know from the cover right. of Delta Mama Blues yeah. or something you know I just I didn't you know the the man I saw there was was you know not half the man that he used to be mm-hmm. really and it was really sad but at the time I didn't think much about it I was like oh my gosh that's Towns he got up and yeah. he never really finished yeah unfortunately it was one of those train wreck shows but after the show you know we sang Hank Williams songs together and it still makes me a little sad to think about it because you know he, he, he was gone so soon after that and it it didn't have to be that way for him or Elliot Smith or some of the great songwriters I've known that have just you know um, gone off into that deep that that dark side and never came back and well but thankfully um, you know guys like the Flatlanders and, and, and Rodney Crowell and, and others are still out there putting out some pretty pretty good content um the flatlanders the last time they played in kansas city at knuckleheads it's one of my favorite memories is they stayed afterwards and frank shut the doors and the boys came down from the green room and it was me and two other people and frank and we were up until four or five in the morning and they were passing a guitar around there was a guy from ireland i can't remember his name had this beautiful guitar and they were passing it around and and doing songs and telling these crazy, crazy stories. And I didn't have anything to record with. I mean, this was probably that's, that's six or seven years ago. A and Facebook I'll, free moment. I'll never, I'll never, ever forget it. And sometimes when I tell people the story that happened, they think I'm lying. But, I'm, you know, I've got witnesses, including the owner of Knucklehead. So they, I know. They, yeah, I played there. And I know that it's, that it's true. But um, what a great catalog that we have to draw from when you do these songwriting um, workshops workshops that you do um, do they come to Nashville how, how do you no I go in Alaska they're go, in Alaska yeah. it's really you can't really teach songwriting it's just an excuse to go fishing and hang out with my friends <laughs> but I just go up there and I do it you know and I and I and I actually I teach them what I know about meter rhyme rhythm and then old folk songs and, and show them how to you know, the first assignment is just write your own blues. I mean, to write a two-line, repeat the first line, and rhyme it. You know, like a blues. You know, I hate to see the evening sun go down. I hate to, you know, just like, that's actually I'm iambic pentameter right there, which is strange. It's the same, the same uh, most famous blues line, really, I hate to see the evening sun go down, just does happen to be also like a Shakespearean mm-hmm. iambic pentameter line. So I just teach and them. And a poetry student. Yeah, right. A poetry. But, you know, I, I kind of like, I do tell them that stuff because mm-hmm. it's important. It's the, the language, the musical sounds of language and, and reading poetry and reading Shakespeare's sonnets, or even if you don't understand them, I think it's important to get the rhythm of the songs and the music that comes out of these things. And, and then you start learning about triplets and different rhymes that like hip hop guys are really good at, you know, and stuff you hear. And, you know, learning how to do that, even if they're tricks. They're also, you know, you can be applied to what you do. And um, and here I am, you know, I'm not, I don't have any hit songs. I've had a few songs and a few films and TV, but um, I make a, a comfortable life as a troubadour. So I got the job to go to Alaska. You know, I, I just come up with these ideas and I do them. Full moon on a southern night Dark water, dark side Fireflies are lighting over my head 
dogs in the trees are calling out to me if you want something done right you have to do it yourself if you want something done right you have to do it yourself i'm the president of the record company no one said hey tim you should go to okima oklahoma and record in the okfuski uh uh, Okfusky uh, Historical Center, you know, and I just like I thought of that, and then I went. I also went down to Texas and went to uh, where Robert Johnson recorded in the Gunter Hotel, and, and went into that hotel and used a room in there. I mean, I te- technology can be and is a wonderful thing, yeah. um, but it has changed the industry so much. It has allowed us to be. I mean, I'm pushing 70 years old and mm-hmm. I would have never thought five or ten years ago Youngster. that I would be on the radio that I All would right. be a podcaster that I would be able to meet some you know musical heroes and to live the life that I'm living right now I was in corporate America for 45 years in corporate real estate um, but the technology has allowed me to do this yeah has allowed artists to have recording studios in their homes that are putting out product to me that sounds just as good as somebody who spent a fortune to do it in a, yeah. in a recording yeah. studio. Yeah, I've, I've done both. I've used the expensive uh, analog thing. Yeah. And I, I print vinyl with this. Uh, this record, unfortunately, was also put out with Pledge Music, which went under. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I did lose all the money that my fans paid me to pre-order my album. Um just now on the streets of Okima, someone paid me the money that they got back from their credit card company, which is really nice. And it's, you know, it's a story that's really confusing to people like my dad. Like, he's like, what? You know, he doesn't get, you know, it's like very confusing that how the music business can can really still, to find out that that corner of it was also busted did, did hurt, you know, like, it's already hard enough to, for a folky out here, you know, to get to make, to get by um, when you're not in that Did you find that your fans and those supporters stepped up and did what you needed what yeah you yeah needed, or? They, they were super angry and then some I, I, I fulfilled all the orders mm. I made I worked hard I got the stuff paid for I sent it in the mail you know what record companies that build the mastering engineer the mixing engineer those guys can all wait and let me pay them in installments right. the artists right. that made it the photographer who can't wait is the United States Post Office. Like, <laughs> mail that stuff out. They're not going to be like, oh, you can just pay us in installments. So it's like the post bill alone for oh, all that stuff. Is, is, you know. But I got it done. It's done yeah. now. And I'm, I'm really grateful to all my fans out there. And now I, I own it. So it's like these last two records, you know, I had a plan of just doing... The, the, the last time I did was a celebration of my guitar, which I've had for 30 years. It's Paco and the melodic Polaroids. And I recorded it direct to Lacquer in Bristol, Virginia. I read that. So, yeah, that was, you know, super inexpensive way to make a record. Directly to vinyl, done. There's no mixing allowed. It's just, you're done. You know, if, if your buttons bounced into the guitar when you were, that's it. It's there. It's you know, There's no fixing it in the mix, as they say. So, super enjoyable way for a guy like me who's been playing a lot. And knows his songs well enough when he shows up. That the set tomorrow. Yeah. Um, is it going to be this new record or? It'll be mostly the new well, record. Do you have I, a Do you have a playlist? Do you use a oh, playlist? No, I, I I never use a set list. I'm just not good at it. 
Tomorrow, you know, yeah, I've Daryl re- Scott said he never did. Nope. Uh, love that guy, by the way. Yeah, and Jim Lauderdale. Yeah, love he was, him. Uh, we don't need to. We got a million songs in our head, man. We just go. And I go with the says vibe he never the forgets the lyrics. He says, I remember all the lyrics for well, whatever. I, do, I don't remember all the ones that I, I've got. I've got a hundred published songs out there in the, right now. If you went and plugged my name into the internet, you could find a hundred songs. Do I have all a hundred of those in the brain? No. Mm-hmm. About half of them, mm-hmm. but I, you know, I can I can cheat and look at them for a bit, and then they play them that night if I need to. You get in a rut, so you got to like switch it up. I on the airplane today, I wrote out my set list for tomorrow because I was like, well, you know, I want to deliver a good set list. I want to I want to put on a good show for the people. That's my job. I want to have I want it to have a nice rounded story. I want to teach. I want to I want to nail it. You know, I want to get better work. You know, it's like. I'm a sober guy now, so I'm like a little more focused. I have a little more time to like, kind of like, really get in there with the scalpel and try to try to nail it. So, but will I stick to that set list? I don't know. Do you man. take requests at shows? Do of you? course. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that. I mean, you know, I'm not. I, I would hope that I would always retain this kind of like humility up there. That it's like it's they people are paid to see you. You're there to entertain them, leave your BS behind and get on with it. You know, if you have a problem with personal problem, that's not any of their, you know, some people can't help it. They bring it to the stage and some people are professional and they, they keep it, they keep that stuff behind them and, and move on. And it's, you know, it's not always easy. You know, there's always things going on. We all have things going on in our lives. We all have family. We all have, you know, situations with the government, we, you know, yeah, whatever, life. whatever it is, life. Yeah, underway. we're all Woody Guthrie fans here, so we can pretty much be ourselves here, and it's wonderful. We're and, a little blue dot in a big red sea. Yeah, right? I mean, Woody said, you know, left wing, right wing, chicken wing, it's all the same to me. And I have a pin. I have a pin that that I got at the Woody Guthrie Center. Um, my friend Dina uh, is the manager. Uh, you know, the, the she runs that place, and she's. I got. I picked up a bunch of pins because I'm going to Russia later this year. And I want to bring them over there, yes. and it says Woody Guthrie for president on it. We're fine. And uh, it says Woody Guthrie for president, and I'm like, well, he might. You know, might not have made the best president actually, to be honest with you. But he might be better than some. That's all I say. Like you know, mm-hmm. I don't. I try not to. I'm big on voter participation. I do talk about that. Uh, sometimes on stage. And yeah, will, that's a big pet peeve of mine as well, that the percentage of turnout yeah, is always so low. It's Don't 49 it, to 50. And I, I, I was just wondering, what if it was 55 local, to 60? In local elections, it's even less. Yeah. We just had a mayoral election in Kansas City where the voter turnout was about 30%. Right. So, so don't bitch to me about who you get when 70% of the registered voters yeah, didn't go out again. It's pretty tough, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, is it, is it crazy what the Australians do that make they make you vote? Mm-hmm. Or that you're automatically registered to vote if you get a driver's license or something. Driver's license. Like, is that is I know is that like is that crazy progressive radical thinking? Apparently. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know. Apparently. Yeah. What's next for you? Um, wow, I'm gonna go to Russia. It's a big one. I'm working for the State Department. So I, Tim Easton, work for the United States government, and uh, I'm going over to Russia. And uh, I'll be representing the country. Are you part of a group that's No, going? this Are time it's just me, wow. me and, and a couple of ambassador types that will take me around. People from the State Department? Yes, yeah. and their State Department as well. So yeah. it's, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, fascinating, right? Yeah, <laughs> I can't, oh my goodness, I can't even I've been vetted. Imagine. They're going to hear this. This can't be the only microphone in the room anymore. There's no. Gotta, <laughs> I'm <laughs> no. not worried about it. You know, I'm, Well, I mean, I'm a little bit like, I, I, I love travel. I love, I know that 
that the government and the people are two different things in every country, right? That's and Steinbeck, you know, he went over there after Grapes of Wrath, and he, I'm reading his book now about going over there in, in, in the Soviet Union, and uh, when it was a different place, mm -hmm. and you know him, you know, trying to be honest and tell the truth. And I've been to Cuba a few times. And I was just going to say, Danny went to Cuba in January for ten days. Yeah, it was a lifelong dream to go, and he um, loves Latin music and Latin jazz and, and he had the opportunity to go cool. and spent uh, 10 days and went out in the country and um, just absolutely adored it and said we've got to go back because yeah. the music and the people they loved us there. yes it's they, great they acted they were very kind I saw the stones there by the yeah. way I went to the stones here you're such a lucky guy I, I went I've been to Cuba three times and I have friends there now but the last time I went was for the Stones. It was free. I was like, I am going to the Stones show in Cuba for sure. And yeah, that. You have know. you have you written a book? Are you going to write? A book? Um, I've got the stories my, that you've told me just in the last yeah. thirty minutes are. Just my first poetry book has finally come out. It took me like seven years to kind of like really just just do it. And so, but yeah, I'm working on a couple of different things. You know, um, you know, it's weird. It's like when Dylan said he heard when he wrote uh, like a Rolling Stone. He was like, oh, I don't have to write a book or make a movie anymore I can just do it in a song you know and he figured out how to make it explode into one song like that's it's still appealing to me the novel is still the you know elusive beautiful thing or the fictional uh, you know based on some, I don't know the truth and the, the combination of the two things in a story like I'm working on a thing about um just you know, bizarre traveling music musician stories and uh, right. What you know, they say. What, right, what, what, right. What you know. Right. What you know. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And you know, it's it's uh, it's quite a life. This this gypsy life. And and I've crossed paths with so many greats and so many unknowns over the years. That are great. Yeah. Just amazing people that That's do not care about fame or 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 whatever. You know, they are traveling. Even they just kind of like to play their songs at the campfire and and hang out and do that's the kind of what I feel like my mission is is to give a voice to those that either don't have one or are completely underserved or ignored by corporate media because well there is I will so send you some names because uh, there's so much know. talent out there and it's an honor and a privilege to do it I used to feel like a poser you know that what are you doing um, but I went to a cast concert for Ellen Thompson Oh, yeah. Guys, I played with Verlin. Yeah, it was Verlin Thompson down in the Ozarks in Missouri, and oh, nice. it's a house concert. And I'm looking around the room, and I'm seeing who else is in the room, and it's mostly other musicians that I know. Um, nobody that's, I mean, very few people that are just fans or the host or whatever. And I was telling this guy that was sitting next to me from Dallas, I feel like such an interloper here or an, an imposter or whatever and he said don't ever feel that way because as a fan or a supporter you help get the art out there mm -hmm. you know the the artist seeks inspiration or whatever right. receives it and puts the art out there whether it's a sculpture or a poem or a song and if they choose to put it out if they want to keep it internally and, and not let it get out there that's fine but if they want to get it out there we need fans. We need supporters uh, to be able to do that. It's like a holy trinity, and you you finish it off. And I, it's like a lightning in a bottle moment for me. I thought I'd never connected the dots in that way, and I thought I'm okay. Um, it's nice to have a purpose with this, um, with happiness in life, and, mm -hmm. and and you know what makes us happy. I think is a big, really the biggest struggle in life. It is because work is 
if you have a 24 hour day like sleep eight hours you work eight hours or leave eight hours for play you know it takes time getting to work getting to play getting to sleep you don't get to sleep eight hours i don't know anybody that does um but uh you know it's like if you if your work is not fun you're the third of your life is, is a dark void then and and it's not easy and and i'm a, a big proponent of of being a publicist for my friends who I think are great. Mm-hmm. You now, a lot of them, like you will know, like John Fulbright mm-hmm. or Aaron Lee Tashian are great, you know, songwriters that are doing he's good. He's from too, isn't he? Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's and I, I've made records with Aaron. He's from, uh, from just outside Columbus, actually, mm-hmm. New Albany. And, uh, he, you know, these guys are they're doing fine. You know, they're traveling and, and doing their thing. But the world at large doesn't really seem to, you know, you could walk a long way and uh, in certain places you would not know who you were talking I about. used to work for a corporation that was based in Houston, Texas and I would go to off the home office every once in a while for meetings and I'll never forget this, it wasn't that long ago. I was at a board meeting, we were talking and they were, one of my bosses said I heard you're on the radio in Kansas City what, you know, what, what are you doing? Is it, what, do you, what do you talk about? And I said I don't talk, I play music kind of music and got to talk and I said well, mostly actually Texas singer-songwriters mm. and uh, a lot of them and I started rattling off the names these people were Texans and they lived there all their lives they they did not know who Guy Clark was oh, they did not know Towns Van Zandt they didn't know Joe Ely they didn't know these names they they blew my mind and these are guys that are in their you know 50s 60s and 70s that should know who these people are they're they're their contemporaries and it was shocking to me that they didn't know but they grew up on mainstream country music or mainstream christian music or rock and roll or whatever and they did not know who these people are so that set off a set of alarms in my head i've got to get the word out you know that these people exist so um, thank yeah. you for spending some time with me. No problem. I I, I, um, I appreciate you uh, you know spreading the word about artists and, and uh, people that are out on the fringe doing this. Um, there's a lot of us out there, and you know we have it's a big world, and and but then it's a small world in our circle of friends that we all you know we all seem to like know well, each listen, other. Listen, best wishes to you, especially as you travel to places like. Yeah, Russia, and I plan on being back here next year. Um, I hope we stay in touch. Sure thing. And that if you come to Kansas City, yeah, really easy. You to have a place to stay. I've got folks that stay with oh, us cool. all the time. Cool. Thank you so much. Yeah, TimEaston.com is really that's my domain. That's and, the and, umbrella to. Yeah, I mean that's you can hit the contact page and that email goes to me. I mean I don't have an assistant back at the warehouse. You know, there's uh, my daughter. She's eight. Hopefully she can help me build a real website someday. Um, you know, she st- helps me stuff envelopes. Now, if stuff. your daughter comes to you in ten years and says, "Dad, I want to go to Europe and busk," oh my gosh, you gonna be okay with that? Sure. All right. Yeah, you know, I can. I could count on my one hand the American women that I met traveling alone. Oh, I'm sure. They had traveled in packs. Like I remember, this is a distinct thing. Like I met two or three American girls that were like out there doing their backpacking thing on their own Australian girls did it uh, occasional you know just tough like uh, Eastern Europeans but not many American girls mm-hmm. would go you know and I, you know, it's, it's understandable this world is is uh, it's got it's you know a heavy side to it so um, you know it, it's a uh, the, the busking partner the busking scene that 
that was that I had to go do that. You know, I had to go do that Woody Guthrie thing and hit the streets and play in front of, you know, what Robert Johnson would have said, play in front of the barbershop or whatever. I, I, I had to go play old songs in front of people and make a living. And then... Well, if we stay in touch for 10 yeah. years... Yeah. I'm going to remind your daughter. Yeah, well, she <laughs> plays piano. Said. She plays piano and, and drums. If you could just let... Your you know, dad told can, me yeah. in Okima... Soon as she in 2019, the that if you wanted to go bum around Europe and 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 busk on your own, he'd be down with that. Was I 18? So. I think the first time I went like went to see the Grateful Dead, I was probably right around that age. Yeah, you know, or 20 years. Oh yeah, like I mean, if, if my parents knew half the stuff I did back in the 60s when yeah. I was a teenager. So did you see the Stones in the 60s? Um, 71 was Whoa, the first okay time. Now. Um, I saw, um, that's right after Altamont. I graduate. Yeah. I graduated high school in 1969 Okay. and I was, I can't believe this, but I did. I saw Janis Joplin. Mm. I, I lived in St. Louis at the time. Remember so your I, first concert? Yes. The Righteous Brothers. Oh, okay. 1965. Nice. And my second one was Paul Revere and the Raiders. Right. Cool. <laughs> did you ever get to see, um, some of the folkies coming through, like Sunny Cherry Brown and Gigi. No, nope, no, nope, I just wasn't. Uh, in, I wasn't yeah. into it. You know, I was, I was rock and roll all the right, way. Right. You know, the louder the better. And I was, bands. and I was, you know, dating a drummer in a rock and roll band. At the there time, you go, so. drummers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks. Thank and you very much. You're welcome. Let's have a fun Woody Fest. Let's do. I'm ahead of my time. And behind the times at the same time All time doesn't give a damn about me In these times We don't all have to walk the same line Except when looking each other in the eye Nobody wants to wake up angry Nobody wants to go to bed insane Nobody really wants you to suffer Nobody wants anybody to be in pain For whatever you truly want for another You may have yourself someday my path Talking vengeance, lies and bad math All time will tell on you And your greedy, greedy friends Telling the same lies Again and again All time will have its way with all of you Nobody wants to wake up angry Nobody wants Go to bed insane Nobody really wants you to suffer Nobody wants anybody to be in pain For whatever you truly want for another You may have yourself someday
won't say this anytime. Not just today, not just tonight. Not just today, not just tomorrow. I want you to have the same peace of mind that I wish for myself. I want you to have the same peace of mind that I wish for myself. I want you to have the same peace of mind. That I wish for myself. I want you to have the same peace of mind. That I wish for myself. I want you to have the same peace of mind. That I wish for myself. I want you to have the same peace of mind. That I wish for myself. I want you to have the same peace of mind. That I wish for myself.